0: Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I've got a unique guest on today. I'm really excited. So I have Dominic Thompson. He's an NRL 22 coordinator um, and obviously a competition shooter in that world. And I know nothing about it. So we're in for a ride tonight. <laughs> How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. Yeah, I uh, went to one match. So I'm excited to go over what I should have done and what I shouldn't have done. Where'd you go? Uh Orsa had a local match here in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. So got okay. my Tried it out. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun.
1: Who was your match director? Was it uh, Steve Marmaduke?
0: Yeah, we had Steve. Um, what's his name? Kevin Suffrage helped set up. Yep. Um, yeah, well, that's a good group of guys. Steve and I shoot three guns, too, so I've known him for a while.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I shot with uh, Steve Marmaduke um, this past weekend at an NRL 22X match.
0: There you go. Okay, because he went over that one over there in North Carolina before that, too. Yeah, he did. Oh, okay, interesting. So, yeah, before getting all that fun stuff, too, I know nothing about you. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up and were firearms part of that?
1: So mine is a little unique situation. Uh, I grew up actually born and raised in Germany, um, military brat. So I spent 16 years of my life in Germany. Uh, I did not grow up with firearms uh, because Germany has very, very strict gun laws. Um, so I really didn't get into uh, guns until after I joined the army. Uh naturally obviously um but when i was 16 i moved to coppers cove texas and then finished up my high school there um so in 2003 i joined the army and then um really didn't get into guns until i don't know probably about the age of 22 yeah. uh, when i started looking into uh get uh, getting into hunting
0: cool okay so what did you hunt a deer yes yes i want a kansas deer really bad <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would like to have some sort of a Midwest deer. Uh, because um I've shot quite a few deer up in Maryland. Uh I got some hosses up there. Um, I got shot some deer in Texas. They're they're not big. No, they're not. Like Florida,
0: Florida deer. They're they're dogs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like these are like overgrown German shepherds um with antlers.
0: Absolutely.
1: So.
0: And um, and you're still active duty, right?
1: I still am, yes.
0: That is awesome. So I mean, are you deployed at all? Or are you typically here?
1: So um, the unit that I'm currently in, we are deployable, we're not deployable, Uh, but I am in the 101st Airborne Division. We are a deployable division, just the unit that I'm currently in uh, really doesn't deploy uh, all that much uh, due to their, um, I don't know, I I guess due to their overall mission. Uh, But I have deployed quite a few times uh, in the past uh and in about 129 days i put in my retirement packet but no one is no one's counting uh so the january of 2023 will be my last month in the army
0: wow thanks for your service that's awesome i appreciate it that's awesome yeah we are glad you're here in the states because we need you coordinating these matches so uh (laughs) (laughs) so i guess then the army was the actual like place that you were taught the firearm rules and how to shoot and all of that
1: So the army taught me how to shoot, um, but they did teach me basic fundamentals, uh, basic rifle marksmanship, as well as uh, gun and rifle safety. Uh, But honestly, the person or the persons, I should say, that really taught me how to shoot was my buddy Clark Kernut and Travis Walla. Uh, They both run matches with uh, San Antonio Precision Rifle Club down in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and both of them, they host the annual uh, World Longest Shot Challenge as well. So, Applied Ballistic comes out. I mean, um, the last time they did it, they, um, I think the, the targets were set all the way up to 4,700 yards. What? Um, yeah, yeah. I, they didn't go that far, though. Yeah. Uh, that's where, at the time, I think David Tubbs set the uh, world record for the cold bore shot. It was three consecutive cold bore shots, I think it was like at 2,200 yards um i may be mistaken but yeah they did uh they did a lot of elr stuff out there for centerfire and for 22
0: that is so cool okay did you shoot did you compete did you no
1: i actually wasn't because uh um when was that i want to say it was a weekend where i was still an instructor down at fort sam houston texas and i didn't compete because i had to work that weekend oh darn yeah. oh trust me it sucked i really wanted to go
0: yeah, that's rare to have uh, the distance, first of all. Like, there's not a lot of rangers that are going to have those distances and the targets out there. No,
1: no Valdina Ranch, huh? yeah, 4,700 yards. It was pretty freaking epic.
0: That's so cool. What is your longest shot?
1: My longest shot is, well, longest shot with an impact? <laughs> well, what's not an impact? You mean just... <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean, I could Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I'm aiming at the ground, that's an impact, right? <laughs> Oh. Uh, no. So so my longest uh, shot was a mile. Cool. Um, I have shot at 2,200 yards uh, and that was with a 6XE, but I mean, you're talking about a, a, a 243 caliber rifle uh, or uh, cal- uh, bullet. It wasn't going that far. There was no way. We, we barely saw the impacts at a mile.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool though. Um, so when you actually went out and bought like your first gun, was your first gun a rifle?
1: Yeah, my first gun was a Remington 700 SPS. Nice. In, in 30-06, because everybody that I knew with a hunting rifle, they're like, I got to get a 30-06, or you got to get yourself a 308. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can tell you now, 30-06 doesn't do crap for long-range shooting.
0: No, no. I had a 3030. That was my first hunting rifle. So, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you uh, were shooting and stuff, would you say that you were just naturally talented and picked it up easily, or did you have some stuff to learn?
1: <laughs> no 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 absolutely not uh so my buddy clark he always tells me, because i always call him i was like hey man so i got this issue going on i got this issue going on he's like you know he's like if you didn't have any luck or any bad luck you wouldn't have any luck at all no uh, i think you just need to pick up golf uh, so so now when i tell him like hey clark i i got this problem he's like dominic one word i was like yeah i know golf, golf. I like, but really i i need this i need this problem fixed Uh, Yeah, no, I am definitely not a uh, naturally talented shooter by any means. Um, I actually got into long-range shooting uh, when I wanted to convert my Remington 700 in a good old .30-06 into a long-range shooting rifle, and after I learned a little bit, like, about that much about ballistics, I quickly realized that a 30 6 has no place in, uh, in long range competitions. So I looked around and this was when the uh, Ruger Precision uh, Rifle r- first came out. So I bought one of those in 6.5 Creedmoor and uh, happened to be rolling across Facebook. And I saw an intro to long range shooting uh, that was hosted by, by my buddy Clark and Travis. And I was like, well, might as well go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that day everybody got the impact targets at a thousand yards. And I think my furthest target I've ever hit up until that point was like a 200 yards at best. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty awesome. And ever since then I jumped right in feet, head, arms first, all of it, all at once and been competing ever since.
0: Okay. So the, the friends are the ones that introduce you to the competition shooting
1: then. Oh yeah, so I blame my habit, yep. 100% on you're Clark Nut. Yes, Clark, calling you out. Uh, I blame you for this awesome addiction.
0: The financial situation that you're in is. Yeah, definitely- we
1: should definitely not talk about finances. I'm upstairs, so my wife definitely can't hear me. So we will good on that.
0: I yeah. can't. <laughs> What's my favorite part about this whole episode right now? Already is that we haven't even done. This is fantastic. <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting right next to you on the couch. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got to blame the buddy. So, how? Uh... Uh, well, you got
1: to you got to blame them. <laughs> um but, you know, ultimately I, I it's a phenomenal sport. Oh, yeah. Um the camaraderie is absolutely amazing. Um 99.9% of the times, anytime you go to matches, people are always willing to help you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you went precision rifle. Then did you go to NRL twenty two? Was that even around yet? Or did you go pistol shooting? Like, what all uh, shooting disciplines did you try?
1: So initially, I did. Uh, I got into PRS uh, because that's all that was around down in Texas. Yeah. Um, and this was, let's see. This was right after NRL probably started. Yeah, it was, it was right. Well, no, it was right before the NRL. 22 piece started uh and i really didn't know anything about you know you know essentially like precision rifle series or nrl or you know shooting off of props and stuff like that i always thought you know shoot from a ground blind and you're done or shoot from the prone I, i never would have thought to shoot off tank traps and all sorts of crazy stuff uh but i've competed in prs nrl 22 nrl 22x uh tactical carbine idpa and uspsa
0: Okay, so you've done most of it. Okay. Yeah.
1: okay. yeah. Now, when when we say, now I really haven't competed like <laughs> you do in USPSA. Um, I've competed in tactical carbine at the local level as well as IDPA, nothing on the national level. Yeah. Uh, NRL-22, NRL-22X, uh, and PRS, I've done it all at the national level.
0: That's so cool though. Yeah, I mean, unless you really live around those ranges and stuff, it's really hard to get into it too.
1: It is. Yeah, NRL-22 and NRL-22X are by far the easiest ones to get around. Here in Tennessee, we run a page, uh, myself and uh, Levi Sanderson, uh, we run a page called Tennessee Rimfire. And anybody in Tennessee, Kentucky area, we pretty much like link their pages to our page so that everybody knows um, where they can go for matches. And we actually planned it out where, when I started my club back in May of 2019, Levi Sanderson started getting on board and then um, Bill Mickey got on board. Now, Justin McBee got on board. um, And then our buddy Levi Wilson down in Huntsville, Alabama, like Northern Alabama. And we all kind of like got together and be like, hey, I'm running mine the third Saturday of every month. Hey, it'd be cool if you were able to run yours on the first, the second, the fourth, so that essentially we can all support each other's clubs. And I mean, there is a bunch of clubs here in Tennessee alone um, you can go to an NRL 22 match every single weekend, and yeah. it's all within two to three hours drive,
0: which is doable
1: when people come. Oh, easily
0: three hours. I'm like three hours is a blessing for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, when I was living in Texas, we're like, oh, three hours? Okay, too easy. That's right yeah. down the road.
0: Yeah, I start complaining when it gets to like 10.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can see that.
0: Yeah, not fun. So the one thing that you pointed out that every match director should hear is try it'd be great if they tried to talk to other match directors even nearby about not scheduling on top of one another because i think i've had to sacrifice like six different matches where i would have gone to both if we had just picked like a weekend before a weekend after right um i know that's difficult i really do i get it because there's other things going on the ranges but man like you said helping each other out is a big deal
1: yeah and i mean we all do um We, I mean, Levi Sanderson typically comes to my matches. I typically go to his matches um, and we really help each other out. We help each other with props. We help each other with targets. Um, And, you know, we're always willing to, you know, provide stuff. I mean, me and him have gone to X matches where we're like, Hey man, do you need tablets? Do you need targets? Do you need us to bring rifles? What do you need us to bring? And we're always willing to do that because at the end of the day, we're trying to grow the sport.
0: Yeah. I think more clubs need to do that. That's really cool. Um, I don't know how to get that information out sometimes of like, Hey, we will, we have rifles. Like there's no excuse to just show up and bring some ammo. Hopefully it's really hard right now. Oh, no,
1: No, I actually, uh, we pro- I, for my club, at least I provide the ammo. What? Yeah. So I provide the ammo. The shooter just has to uh, pay for the ammo yeah. uh, because all, all my ammo that I have is lot tested for that rifle.
0: Right. Right. Oh, so that's easy. Easy guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So How did your first ever competition go and which one was it
1: (laughs) um so my first one i want to say was at navasota uh texas which i love that shooting range but it was about three hours uh, south of san antonio um and by the way say what
0: did you shoot with Corey klamashevich i don't want to say his last name in navasota
1: oh i'm i'm i may have i mean That, that their their club matches were freaking insane yeah they're legit um,
0: they're working a match so i, I love that place
1: <laughs> oh yeah i mean so when we first when i first shot there a couple years back well, about three years back well no about four years back now um <laughs> i think they were averaging about 50 to 60 shooters um now they're they're averaging at least a hundred shooters per club match that's
0: crazy cool oh yeah
1: and it's a phenomenal facility so that was my first um My first place that I ever shot a prs match and my buddy clark took me and uh didn't have any super high expectations my only goal was not to zero a stage and not be last
0: that is everyone's goal you can't well you can but how often do dqs happen in your sport
1: uh (laughs) they they don't happen nowhere near as it does in uspsa that i I can promise you um (laughs) I've had to DQ people at a local level match. I've had to DQ people. I've had a a DQ a friend of mine at one of my X matches that I've held. And it it, it sucks. It really does. Um, But no, I don't think we have that many DQs uh, compared to pistol um, sports because we transition any movement with a bolt back.
0: Right. Yeah. And that, that was my one question is most people are like, my goal is to not coming last or DQ yours is <laughs> at least to make a hit on a stage. That's good.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, my buddy Clark always told me, he's like, you know, someone has to win the match. Might as well be you. Um, which is true. I mean, if somebody, uh, somebody has to win it. It might as well be you.
0: There you go. That's awesome. So what did you learn about like yourself, the gun and all of that at your first competition?
1: I suck at reading wind. I suck at getting in a stable position and getting off rounds uh, quicker than I needed to. I remember my first stage, I was all like, all right, I'm doing great. About to pull my first shot, beep. I'm like, um, I got like one shot off, man. Got an impact, but I got like one shot off. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, time management and clock management, prop management, all that stuff comes with time. Uh, and that's what I tell a lot of my new shooters is, don't worry about the clock. You're promise you you're, you're going to time out on every um, yep. on majority of all the stages. You will yep. probably time out, but the, at the end of the day, make sure you have good, basic fundamentals, build yourself a solid position and get some impacts. If all you do is get three shots off and you get three impacts, you have a hundred percent impact rate. Yeah,
0: and yeah. At the end
1: of the day, just have fun.
0: It is a lot of fun. And so oh, much yeah,
1: it's the most fun you can have with a 22. Yeah. 22. The,
0: the amount of money, and again, we won't go back that far but the amount of money people put into these guns is insane for 22s. <laughs>
1: uh yeah, yeah, so uh my first rifle uh me and my buddy Clark built, it was a it was a badass 1022, and I still have it. Uh and it shoots lights out for sure. Uh, I mean, I got it tested at the La, Lapua Test Center up in Morango, Ohio and at 100 meters, which is right around 109 yards, uh it was grouping right at I want to say like 0.8 inches.
0: Nice. Oh wow. yeah
1: yeah which is pretty pretty badass for a 1022. yeah uh, and then I then I progressed to bolt action I ended up getting a CZ457 um which grouped pretty tight at 100 yards as well I think it was like 0. 0.6 yeah and uh now I shoot a voodoo
0: Ooh, okay you fancy now
1: yeah as my, my as as my buddy Clark would say he would call me a voodoo doodoo head
0: I like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, that made me that made me laugh so what did you what made you like keep going back to i guess prs or internal 22 versus like the pistol stuff
1: um so i really like the camaraderie with it mm-hmm. uh i noticed that a lot in idpa and uspsa mainly in uspsa there's a lot of
0: drama
1: uh, well that's that's every sport uh i don't want to say drama uh but there's just a lot of just like competition competition sure yeah right um but with nrl 22 uh, and all the centerfire stuff i just really like the camaraderie the fun uh and then with nrl 22 just the excitement of being able to shoot small targets at really long distances
0: for a cheaper ammo price not
1: cheaper gun price <laughs> yeah definitely not, not a cheaper gun price because uh my voodoo costs about the same as much as my center fire does.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, So um, I actually didn't know this, so I want you to share about it. Um, I didn't know when NRL 22 was founded. Um, and can you just give an overview for people who are listening that are like, what is that?
1: Yeah, so NRL 22 is, so it was started back in March of 2017 uh, by Tyler Frenner and Travis Shida. Uh, So Tyler Frenner, he's currently, the well, he's the co-founder of NRL and NRL22, and he's currently the director of match operations. And Travis Ishida is also the one of the founders, and he's currently the president of both. Uh, so at the time of NRL uh, Centerfire, um, it was a phenomenally fast-growing sport, and Tyler wanted to have a less intimidating sport that allowed uh, women and children to attend. So he ended up going to a match where a guy was pretty much doing NRL 22 type stuff. Um, and kind of picked his brain and they started doing NRL 22 with the intent to get more women, more kids into the sport. Hmm.
0: Okay. And that's, do you know, like the membership numbers, like where you're at from where you started?
1: Um, oof. <laughs> I, I would ooh, you put me on a spot. I do know, I do know that Um, I want to say we have right now a little over or a little bit under a thousand active members, um, in 2017, um, don't quote me on these numbers, but I want to say it was maybe 200,
0: 300. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, one of the magazines actually ended up, did I forgot what magazine did it, but they did an article on it and they said that NRL 22 was the fastest growing shooting sport and that, in, and, and compared to PRS, um, IDPA, USPSA, all combined.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. And the reason for that was NRL 22, if you had a backyard at your house and you can go out to a hundred yards, you can essentially set up your own club, have 10, 15 of your friends come out and you essentially have yourself a club. Heck, you can have five people come out and you have yourself a club. Yeah. We, are, we don't mandate how many people are in your club at all. Uh, you got people like in Utah, um, they average about 60, 70 shooters on club matches.
0: Yeah. Utah then, is a shooting sport Mecca, by the way, not just for NRL
1: 22. Oh yeah. Yeah. doesn't surprise me one bit.
0: Yeah. It's not fair. Um, you talk a little bit about the NRL X?
1: So NRL X, um, that is, it's just like a, where the match director, um, just like in center fire and PRS or in NRL. The match director they out of their dark spots of their brain uh come up with the own, their own course of fire their own stages um and they can go as far as they want as long as they are able to visually um see impacts um there's still That's a lot of be
0: 800 yards <laughs> no
1: no 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 so the the furthest one that i've seen so far is 400 yards Um, and I know, uh, Chris Simmons, he just did his last weekend. And I think our longest target engagement was 381 yards. Um, when I went to Ben Blevins match for the sweaty Yeti match, I want to say that was like at the end of July, beginning of August, uh, his was 400 yards. Uh, so 400 is about the sweet spot. Um, because even with target hit indicators, uh, you have to have really, really thin steel. Uh, some people use aluminum at that distance or, They'll use mild steel or the like the thickest that I use, two hundred and fifty and beyond is like three sixteenths inch steel.
0: I didn't know that that was even a thing. Look, I'm already learning boom
1: oh yeah yeah oh, trust me it it, it it, it, even gets crazier when you're trying to shoot at that distance because I did the math one time shooting the shooting four hundred yards is like the equivalent of shooting like two two thousand uh, two hundred yards in a center fire rifle <laughs> no, yeah. It's about, it, it equates to about the same, don't quote me on the distances, uh, but the mills is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. Did you hit both of the longer targets?
1: So. Uh, <laughs> I hit, uh, when I went at the Sweaty Yeti match, uh, I ended up placing third, which I was stupid surprised by. <laughs> I, I did end up, uh, sh- I think I hit impacted it. I know I impacted it once for sure. Cause you had to go uh, near to far, strong side, and I want to say was far to near support side. Ugh. Yeah, I did I did a lot better support side.
0: Ugh, I do too, but that's because you're concentrating is what I've been told.
1: Uh, no, so I used to be left-eye dominant. Oh. Um, so when I competed in high school uh, with air rifles and stuff like that, um, they didn't have a right-handed rifle. I mean, a left-handed rifle. So they said, hey, we're going to kind of divert you over to a right-handed. Like, okay, sure. I don't know what that means.
0: <clears throat> Wait, yeah. how do you, you have to go the whole way, like turn your head?
1: No, you're talking about now?
0: Well, no, like before. So if you have a right-hand rifle and your left eye dominant, are you like
1: I wore an eye patch? <laughs> it worked.
0: <laughs> I need a picture of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, nope. <laughs> that was it many, many years ago. That, that was like 20 What do we in 2021? Yeah, I was like, good god, That was like 23 years ago.
0: <laughs> I need that. I need that. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. I, I like the left hand. I don't know why, but I was getting one for one. For, that was my best stage was the left-handed whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. But so, so NRL 22X, it's, it's solely on the match director on what they want to create, how many stages. Typically we recommend, we require that a match director have a minimum of 10 stages. Okay. Um, and it's completely up to them on how they want to do the, the course design. And it's a, it's a one-off match.
0: It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like TEDx. It's like what? TED Talks, but like TEDx. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, relating it to something I understood, but yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, so um, let's dive into like the beginner world. Um, so we're talking about a new person, probably still me. I'm definitely a noob. But um, for starters, like where is the place that people should go to get information about NRL22?
1: So first place they should probably uh, go look is to go to nrl22.org, uh, navigate the website, specifically the rules. Because uh, we always get a lot of questions about, hey, what's allowed, what's not allowed, um, what's what's considered open, what's considered base class. If I'm a uh, if I'm a minor, you know, what's considered a young gun, what's considered you know, ladies and this that and another. So I would say um, initially check out nrl22.org. Uh, there are a lot of Facebook posts, uh, Facebook groups out there. Uh, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, Tennessee uh, Rimfire. We have uh, good information on there. You have NRL 22 members, you have, uh, let's see, oh shoot, what is it, Uh, NRL 22 matches, uh, competitive 22LR gear talk and match finder, Um, and then a lot of times when you find something in your local area and you go to a match, a lot of people will tell you, hey, go on this Facebook page or go to practice score and underneath matches type in NRL 22 and it'll find anything that's listed as an NRL 22 match.
0: That's cool. That was my next question. Is everything really typically on practice score? Do y'all ever use like match sign up or any of those other obscure platforms?
1: No. Uh, Every single match I've been to has always been through practice score.
0: Okay. That's the way it should be, by the way.
1: (laughs) I I, I agree. It is so easy using practice score, using tablets. Um, I remember my first match, I didn't have tablets and I used paper and good God, was that a nightmare
0: first of all men can't write handwriting lines.
1: no 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 not at all so uh i made it easy i i did i did uh i did x's and o's for hits
0: can you imagine if um if it rained or it did it rain when you had paper scoring
1: <laughs> so uh was it last year i think last year's rules we got rid of all the paper stages okay uh, we used to always do a paper stage and um well well, so first yeah we yeah we got rid of the paper stages because a lot of people would either complain be like hey it's raining cats and dogs out here targets are getting soaked um and yeah so i'm kind of glad we got rid of the paper stages (laughs) um now the only thing i gotta worry about getting wet on on range day is my zeroing targets
0: Mm, yeah 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 that's fair um okay so I don't know if you're allowed to recommend because I don't know if you're sponsored, whatever, but if you can I am
1: not sponsored. I am sponsored by Dominic's bank account.
0: And Dominic's wife. Um, so yes. <laughs> there you go. What are some good guns? Uh, I know you mentioned a few, but like specifically, like I know nothing about a lot of these firearms. So what are some good guns people can start with? Not talking about optics yet, just the firearms. Yeah.
1: So firearms, if you're just getting into this and you've never shot a center fire equivalent match, Nothing wrong with a 1022. There's nothing wrong with an RPR, uh, Ruger Precision Rimfire. Uh, nothing wrong with a CZ 457, 455, a Tika T1X. Those are all perfectly fine rifles. Uh, you can get yourself a bagar B14R, uh, which is the exact same thing as a Begar B14HMR, except it's a 22. Awesome. Um, just a little fun fact. Uh, the 2020 National Championship base class was won by a Tika T1X. Um, and the Young Guns in 2021 National Championship was won by Atika T1X.
0: Ooh, okay, okay. My friend actually um, has the Tika 4PRS. That's what the gun she started on. She's building one, or she just built one now, but Atika served her well.
1: Yeah, the, the, the Tika T1X is a great rifle, especially when you get it lot tested and you get the right lot of ammo. Yeah. Those things will shoot lights out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Okay, optic land. Um, and again, these are people that know nothing, right? So definitely mills, not MOA, I would hope.
1: Right. Um, so I, I did a query on this when it okay. came to, and let me pull that up real quick. Oh, that's um, cool. I did a query with the national, cha- from the this year's past national championship. Mm-hmm. And I want to say roughly like right around 99 to 98%, um, all were using mills uh let me pull it up right here
0: there's a few outliers there
1: yeah so it was uh 136 so 85 percent were using mills and 24 about 15 percent were using moa
0: interesting that blows my mind
1: okay so at the end of the day though like because i get that question a lot yeah. um hey what should i use should i use mills what are, should i use moa at the end of the day shoot with whatever you're comfortable with yeah if you were taught moa and that's what you're comfortable with. Shoot MOA. Uh, I was taught in the army how to use MOA. Um, I, I I don't I don't speak MOA anymore. Uh, I don't shoot MOA anymore. Uh, so when I when I got my first uh, scope, my buddy Clark, he's like, "Hey man, go to Mills. It's it's a lot easier to converse." Uh, but he's one of those guys that when he does ELR shooting, he'll he'll do MOA because that's a lot finer. Uh, and then for um, centerfire stuff and NRL twenty two, he'll do um, mill. Oh,
0: okay. So I switched all my three gun stuff over mills. Um, it's it's easier. Yeah, it was a lot easier, and I hit the six hundred and thirty yard target recently in a competition. So boom.
1: Oh, watch out!
0: Oh, <laughs> that was really exciting though for me. Um, so yeah, that that's neat to to know. At least there there are options. I thought it would be mostly mills, but that's that's good.
1: It is. I mean, majority of the matches that I go to, you, you have one or two people that are using MOA.
0: Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're under a hundred or you're under a couple hundred yards. Yeah. Um, okay. So what are the most common scopes you see? Magnification levels, all of that.
1: Um, so the most common scopes that you typically see for manufacturers wise is you see a lot of Athlon, you see a lot of Vortex. Um, and those are your, and that's all the way from their low end to mid-grade, all the way to their high end. Um, you have guys that are shooting U.S. Optics, Collis, um, Force. I mean, my rifle is set up identical to my centerfire rifle, to include the optic. That makes sense. Um, and that and the only reason for that is it translates. If I'm if I'm used to certain motions on my scope uh, because I use a Collis 525, my parallax way. Yeah, so I have a left sided windage and my parallax my parallax knob is right underneath my elevation knob. That's cool. So so if I was to transition to a different scope, like a night force or a vortex, it's opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So,
1: and the great thing about the Carlos 525 is when they built it, it was with the intention that you never have to come off your glass. Your right hand never has to come off the trigger.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant. I like their stuff. That was, that was one of the things where I touched my friends. I was like, wait, it's the opposite direction.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now, I mean, there's options where you can keep the windage on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense to have it on the left for me.
0: It does. It does. That's neat. Okay.
1: Yeah. But uh, ultimately, yeah, Vortex, Athlon, um, um, who else? Nikon, Bushnell, uh, all those guys, they make make good scopes.
0: Can you talk about the magnification levels, like one to whatever, two to whatever, like what?
1: Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's you want the most magnification you can get where you can see the target clear, Uh, but that still allows you a good field of view to, so you don't get lost in trying to acquire your target. I would say nothing less than 12 power, um, especially when we're shooting uh, NRL 22 X matches. Yeah, cause I mean, some of those targets can be pretty small. Uh, and if you don't have a good amount of magnification, it's pretty hard to not necessarily see the target, but to see your misses, to see where you're impacting, see Mirage, see what the environment is doing uh, so you, that you can make an accurate uh, decision on where to hold.
0: Okay. Okay. Most magnification, minimum 12. 12
1: hours. Uh, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. Others may disagree.
0: Okay, that's fine. But uh, you're on this show for now, so we're learning from you. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. Um, okay, so in terms of like modifications now, um, and I'm, I, I've am i read some of the rules-ish, but like what are the best modifications that shooters can consider to make life easier. You know, I know some aftermarket parts are available for firearms, some aren't, you know?
1: Yeah, so um, if you have any rifle that's in a Remington 700 footprint, uh, like the Voodoos, the Bugaras, um, everything is interchangeable. The triggers are interchangeable. You can pull your, if you're on a severe budget uh, and you have a center fire rifle, you could essentially pull that barreled action out, pull the tr- trigger off that rifle, and put it on whatever, like, let's say it's a Begar B14. uh, You can put it on that rimfire, put it back in that chassis and it's golden. Um, Modifications wise, um, triggers are nice. Um, If you can get a light safe trigger, uh, I prefer triggers that are under a pound. Um, It just makes it a lot easier to engage your targets. I remember my RPR rimfire that I had, it was an extremely heavy trigger. Uh, Even when I put it all the way down, and even when I was just you know uh, free recoiling it essentially, where I wouldn't put my shoulder into the rifle, uh, and I would pull on the trigger, I could actually see the reticle kind of move on the target, and I was like, yeah, that's I don't like that. Um, Triggers are good uh, to upgrade. Um, If you're an open class, a lot of guys they'll upgrade to a uh, match chambered uh, barrel. so yeah, trigger, triggers and barrels are pretty much the things that are going to give you the best bang for your buck.
0: Yeah. Now, what about like elevated or adjustable stocks or the thumb rest piece, you know, and all of that stuff?
1: Yeah. So um, depending on obviously what platform you're using, if you're using a stock, if you're using a chassis, uh, they have a lot of benefits. Uh, definitely you want to have something where you can get a proper cheek weld. Um, and so you want an adjustable riser. Um, you want to be able to have uh, your grip properly on the rifle. So a lot of, lot of competitive shooters, you'll actually see them with the thumb on the same side as their fingers, because what that prevents from happening is it prevents you from um, applying any unnecessary or um, undue cant, essentially on that rifle without you knowing. Yeah. Because you might square up to that target and that target is actually hung pretty crooked because of how the terrain is. And then the next thing you know, you look at your bubble level and you're like, holy crap, my rifle is completely uneven, which yeah. if you're trying to engage a target at 200 yards with a 22, you're probably going to miss that target because your, your cant is completely off. Now, then again, it also depends on the size of the target
0: yeah yeah and in cowboy action actually that was the first lesson i learned is just keeping the thumb kind of with the trigger finger and then lever it instead of wrap because it's the time for that one that you're taking well
1: you know you, you know cowboy action shooting that's just pretty cool though
0: <laughs> i it was a lot of fun um i've shot everything besides i haven't shot idpa yet or an actual prs match so those are my next two and then i'll have the full gamut
1: <laughs> well you know um there's there's a good amount of places around here for that
0: yeah no i'm getting into it for sure so the other thing i haven't asked um so when I went, you know, I saw suppressed and unsuppressed firearms. Obviously, suppress is wonderful for ears. Um, so it's great. Yeah. How hard is it though when you suppress firearm um, to like tweak ammo or any cycling issues with that or?
1: Uh, with a with a 1022, um, there there can be uh, some issues because obviously it's just like it's just like an AR. It requires essentially the the gas that's being produced by the actual ammo to cycle that bolt. Um, it, 22s can be pretty finicky when it comes to a suppressor. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the suppressor acts as a tuner on a 22. So and it can as well as a center fire, uh, but you don't typically see a significant point of in, uh, point of impact shift in a center fire compared to a 22. Um, so you can have ammo, that is shooting lights out with the suppressor. As soon as you take that suppressor off, it's essentially out of its node, if you want to call it that, or it's out of its barrel harmonics, and it's just shooting all over the place. Yeah. Uh, that's why you see now, now here, especially this year, a lot of shooters are using barrel tuners.
0: What are barrel tuners?
1: So a barrel tuner is exactly what it sounds like. It okay. tunes the barrel to the ammo.
0: Is that though where the gas hole is? Is that at the muzzle break in? Like what? But you- it's
1: all it's all at the muzzle break. So what oh. it is essentially, it's a piece of metal, okay. and that it's got a bunch of hash marks on there or indicator marks, and it screws away from the shooter and into the shooter to time essentially barrel whip, and once your barrel is perfectly like harmonic or where it, it, where all the ammo shoots perfectly out of you have a perfectly tuned rifle at that point
0: but then does that stay sorry dumb questions probably does the tuner stay on it do you still put a muzzle brake on it? Do you still put a suppressor or is that it
1: no so you can there's plenty of different tuners out there uh aaron hip makes one with a, from ats uh um eric cortina makes his own you have a harrell um a bolt-on tuner um, a lot of the ones, so like the Eric Cortina one, which is the EC Tuner, and the one from Aaron Hip, the ATS Tuner. Uh, the ATS Tuner, you can use the pre-existing threads, and you can screw on your muzzle brake if you choose to do that. I don't know why you would. You know, there's no recoil management, but whatever. It's part of for looks. Uh, or you can put your thread protector on there and your suppressor. That was the intent. Okay. Um, the EC Tuner requires additional threading to be threaded onto the barrel and that's a permanent structure.
0: Okay, that means well, it's
1: not it's not permanent, but it stays on there.
0: Yeah. So what are the most uh popular brands for suppressors? Uh
1: so I don't shoot suppressed anymore. Okay. Um it's just I would say for NRL, uh, a lot of Thunder Beast Arms um it's probably about the most common one that I've seen is the Thunder Beast Arms.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I still wear ears no matter what, but I think it's because I want to keep my hearing.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't care if people are shooting suppressed or not suppressed. It's because you're military.
0: Hearing... Most military dudes gave up when they enter. Like, entered.
1: Yeah. yeah, I I hate I hate wearing hearing protection. Now when it comes to center fire, oh I'm wearing hearing protection. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so for for bare minimum. Um, and let's pretend like the local match is not going to have the gear or the guns that they need, right? Or they're, they're finally going to a major match and they really want to be self-sufficient. So what is the bare minimum gear and ammo that someone needs to go shoot a match?
1: Okay, so bare minimum for a club level, club level NRL 22 match is obviously they need to have a rifle chambered in 22LR. Um, none of that Stangers and none of them, win, you know, the Magnums, uh, we're not doing any of that. So it's 22LR. Uh, you want to have a scope. Ideally with external turrets where you can dial to your elevation or have some sort of a reticle system where you can have uh holdovers uh you definitely want a bipod uh, and you want some sort of a rear bag and then at a minimum you're gonna need uh fifty rounds of ammo not including any bonus stages that the match director might put on or any uh, ammo you would need for zero
0: yeah and then they'll have the um like two mags on you right so if you have to reload for the 12 count round stages or whatever
1: that's why we have mag extenders
0: mm-hmm. yeah okay fancy uh
1: hey, do what you gotta do but uh to be oh and one big thing is uh that a lot of people make the mistake on uh, is they show up to a match and they don't know what kind of velocity that uh, their rifle has uh cool. which is no fault of their own because i mean they're beginners um yeah. everybody's got to start somewhere um so if they do get a chance and they go to go their local range and they see somebody with a chronograph see if they can borrow it and throw a couple rounds through it typically around 10 to 15 rounds will get you a good accurate reading um and then a a, a solid ballistic solver um you can go as expensive as a get a kestrel 5700 with with applied ballistics and link which is a phenomenal investment i should I'm, say i'm in love with Kestrel. i love that thing um or you can pay a $30 app fee and get StrayLock Pro, which does a lot of the same things. Yeah, what I like about the Kestrels is it gives you true and accurate weather, density, altitude, barometric pressure, everything you need at your location. Uh, With the apps, you're you're essentially stuck with using the most closest weather station. So the density altitude could be off here and there. So it can potentially uh, affect bullet trajectory. Potential. Yeah.
0: And, and I know we're going to talk about this soon coming up, but like you already mentioned it when you've got 22 and your center fire rifles matching, right? You already kind of know that the Kestrel will read wherever you're at. You're trying to work on the same platforms. Like for me, like cross training is important. So being able to work with that same stuff that, you know, I think is, is helpful. So yeah, finding something that works and sticking to it. Chronographing is huge. I think every single firearm should be chronographed. <laughs>
1: Uh, some, some, some people that I know would actually disagree, um, here lately, I've actually not been chronographing.
0: Oh, well, okay. For me, like in, in three gun, I mean, we shoot, see those shots at 630 yards. Like I got to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've known buddies that don't chronograph at all. They'll do it. at like the beginning and be like, ah, we're good. And, uh, but they, they'll true their velocity or true their BCs. Uh, I typically, um, here lately because of the new barrel that I received uh, I actually do all my testing at 200 yards.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm, that's more for 22. Like,
1: yes, yeah.
0: PRS, you got a chrono. Eh. Come on, you can't not. Eh. This is I why mean, you suck. So no.
1: At the end of the day, if you get low, low standard deviations, low extreme spreads, at that point, you have now had a good amount of confidence that your ammo is going to shoot consistently tight, especially if you are getting tight groups at 100 yards. Uh, so, that when if you do miss that shot, you're gonna be like, hey, my scope is perfectly plumb. Um, my ammo is shooting great. I got low SDs, low ESs. Uh, yeah. It's shooting bug holes at 100 yards. When I missed that shot, it was 100% me. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if I'm now in 22s, you can get extreme spreads of like 60 or 70.
0: Yeah.
1: And that may not make a significant difference at 100 yards, um, but it does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It, can, it definitely can.
0: So I don't wanna go too far on the rules, but can you explain the difference on basic level that people know and open with the price tag and how that works?
1: Okay, so um, base class is, we're limited at $1,250. That includes the rifle and glass, period. Um, You can modify a little bit with base class. Um, You can change the trigger. You can change the grip on it. You can change uh, the cheek riser to get a proper cheek weld. Uh, and then there's a couple other small things, but like as soon as you throw in a new barrel, it becomes open class. Um, open class is, it is what it is.
0: Run what you got. Run. Is,
1: yeah, run what you, what you got. Uh, if it's anything over $1,250 combined, it is open class. Yeah. And it's all based off of MSRP.
0: Yeah. the uh, And the newish rule, right, is that you can have unlimited bags.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of the reasons why we got rid of all the gear restrictions, uh, for the most part is people would ask, well, is this a piece of equipment or is this part of the rifle? Um, and with our executive team, it, all of us have full-time jobs. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for us to say, Hey, this is a piece of equipment, but this one is identical to it, but because it's all together, it's, you know, one piece of equipment versus two pieces of equipment.
0: Right.
1: So we just said the heck with it. And we said unlimited, uh, unlimited gear with the exception of shooting sticks and tripods.
0: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Well, and ooh, I don't know enough again about PRS, but like, is there unlimited bags in that one too, or is that division again?
1: Oh no. Yeah. PRS is the same way. NRL is the same way. PR is the same. You can, you bring what you brought. I mean, you can take a massive beanbag out there if you want it to, and lay on it and use it. I have seen that. I have seen that at a match before. Uh, I believe Armageddon Gear actually makes one, uh, and it's uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, it's pretty funny to see.
0: I need that. that
1: yeah, is- it, 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 oh. it's, it's it's pretty funny. Yep. Um, gear restriction wise, um, I went to a two-day match a couple of years back where uh Matt brousseau he he only allowed one bag yeah that was it uh no tripods period um and i've shot matches where match directors were like i don't care what you do uh, and then there's match directors were like hey tripods you can use them but they have to be deployed on the clock okay okay so match directors all they have different rules uh but i believe in the pr specifically prs i don't think that they have any type of gear restrictions
0: Okay. That's pretty cool though. I mean, if you look at cross training again, like you kind of want the same setup that you're gonna work with also kind of like the little mermaid, all the gazettes and giz- gizmos and whatever. I need one thing and like nothing else. Cause too many bags and too many sizes and too many things just blows my mind. I'm like, I can't.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my matches, when I go to my matches, I use one bag. Yeah. Um, nine times out of 10, I use one bag and that's a wee bad wax canvas, mini fortune cookie. That's all I use. Um, Sometimes when I use a, uh, when I shoot the rooftop stage, I'll use a, uh, a wee bad bump pillow as okay. a rear support, but that's it. Okay. 99% of times I'm running one bag.
0: Yeah. it's smart. Uh, Cause I'm
1: going to screw it up anyways.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I am too. <laughs> I don't need extra problems. I just need the gun problem. <laughs> uh, so for ammo, I know uh, I've seen like more I guess, lubricated ammo, um, different ammo that I've seen in like .22 pistol. So what are some good ammunitions to use for these rifles?
1: Eh, well, depends. Uh, earlier, I mentioned about lot testing. Um, that's the key, is lot testing, is you can have a voodoo that shoots absolutely like crap with a certain lot of Lapua, CCI standard velocity, uh, 22 norm attack or something like that but you get a different lot of ammo of the exact same manufacturer and it shoots lights out so yeah it's insane when i went to the lapua test facility i think my worst group i want to say at 100 yards was like six inches yeah and i think i think uh luke johnson up there i want to say he uh, i want to say we tested like 16 or 17 different lots of center x Wow. And it's the last lot of ammo that shot the tightest.
0: Interesting. So
1: um, most commonly, though, you'll see all brands of SK. So SK Standard Plus, SK Rifle, uh, SK Long Range Match. Sometimes you have people that are shooting SK Pistol uh, if they're shooting within 100 yards. Uh, Then you have Ely Club Target. Then you have um, Lapua Center X, Midas Plus, um, Midas uh all, all that stuff and now you're getting into the really expensive ammo okay
0: okay i haven't heard like,
1: of some of those like, like ely 10x is probably the most expensive ammo out there and don't quote me on this but i want to say it's like 60 to 70 cents a round for
0: 22
1: oh yeah yeah for 22
0: sorry ely i love ely but oh my gosh ely
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's ely 10x um yeah. and that's yeah. like that's high 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 quality ammo but I mean, there's, like I said, you have guys that will shoot uh CCI standard velocity, the stuff, you know, prior to COVID and everything that was like $2 and 35 cents for a box of 50. Um, I got, I got, I got one of my rifles, my, uh, my uh, loaner rifle, my Bagara. it shoots SK standard velocity and I'm shooting one inch groups at a hundred yards with it.
0: That's awesome. Okay. On a good day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need to zero at everywhere you go.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I zero every match.
0: Yeah, so for, let's we'll talk about that. For NRL 22 rifles this is probably obvious, but just in case, uh, what distance should the uh, optic be zero for? Uh,
1: typically uh, 50 yards. Um, so when I did the NRL 22 championship survey, 98% uh, were all zeroed at 50 yards.
0: I love this data.
1: <laughs> I'm a data guy.
0: I, I love it too, I am as well. <laughs> um, okay, now the harder concept to things. Um, Nobody shot a PRS. They've never shot an NRL-22. They've never had a scope before. Can you explain to newbies what dialing means and how that functions? Just like a briefish overview.
1: So dialing is where you are using your external turrets um, and you turn them to a certain elevation that will allow you to make an accurate shot. Uh, For instance, if I'm shooting at hundred yards and my Kestrel says, I need... For instance, my rifle is typically right around 1.7 mils at hundred yards. Um, Instead of me in my reticle, depending on what reticle I'm using, um, instead of me doing a holdover with my hash marks in there, I'm able to dial to 1.6 mils or 1.7 mils, or if you're using minutes of angle, um, whatever that converts into MOAs, I don't know. (laughs) Um, You can hold your crosshairs center on that target, excluding wind, um and you can engage your target accurately that way uh whereas if you're doing a holdover um you have to take in consideration of your elevation as well as your wind because i mean there's been times where i'm i've shot targets at 100 yards and i'm holding one and a half mils of wind
0: oh wow okay Ooh. yeah
1: oh yeah it's it's it, it sucks on when you oh yeah no thank you yeah.
0: <laughs> by the way are we a pro at wind reading yet
1: <laughs> uh i wouldn't say i'm a pro um I've gotten pretty good at reading Mirage and uh, making necessary changes on the fly.
0: That's good, Now that's huge. <laughs> huge. Now there's
1: been matches I've gone to where I'm like, no, no, the wind is doing this. I can't be wrong. Of course I can't be wrong. There's <laughs> no way the wind switched on me. The Mirage is, yep, it's going left to right. Crap, there goes another miss. Jeez. Yep. So being able to, Get out of that mindset of, oh yeah, it's definitely not me. It's got to be something else. Uh, Take the time, uh, adjust your parallax, make sure you can read those conditions and adjust as necessary.
0: Okay. Another newbie question, um, because a lot of people haven't heard of parallax. That's not a world in three gun or, you know, fun rifle time. What is parallax? What does that mean to adjust it?
1: Okay. So parallax, what that means is you're adjusting the internal lens of that scope to make sure that the target you are looking at is perfectly in focus. Uh, If your parallax is off, it can essentially give you a false image, um, if you want to use that terminology, where you're going to miss that target.
0: Yeah, Yeah, my favorite stages are when you have to go 30, 60, 100 and dial or dial hold and parallax adjust.
1: (laughs) So what you can do, so you can actually cheat on that, Okay. Uh, and I don't want to say cheat, but you can gain that. So what I do, if I did 30, 60, 90, um, I actually would split that difference. I would dial my parallax for 60 okay. and I would kind of, for the 30 yards, I would mat- back out of my magnification and focus on my crosshairs and my target would be a little bit blurry and I typically would hit it.
0: Right. Right. Okay.
1: Yep. Cause what the parallax is doing is not only making sure that you can see the target clearly but it's also ensuring that when you're engaging that target, you're shooting at what you're actually seeing.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Boom. learn something new. Uh, how should people prepare for dialing and parallax and knowing their holds? Is that just something they need to dry fire at home?
1: Um, so that's what first thing you got to know is you got to know what your dope is. If you don't know what your dope is, uh, then good luck. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys going out there and just winging it and still have the time of their life and they're missing every target uh, <laughs> and, and, and they're loving it. They're like, this is so much fun. I'm like, this is awesome. Um, yeah, biggest thing is know your velocities um, and then you can practice doing dry fire practice. You can go to a range, practice that. Uh, if you have the ability to do it in your backyard, I mean, I'm envious, um, but yes, practice, practice, practice. Even if that means sending rounds down range or dry fire practice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And going back to wind, so wind still matters for 22, a
1: lot. Oh, wind matters significantly for 22. Um, Let's see, uh, at 22, like I said earlier, you can have a six mile an hour wind, a full value wind coming from right to left, and you're holding a mill of wind at 100 yards.
0: Wow.
1: I mean, you can, uh, and I I might be off on my wind numbers, but yeah, it's nothing for us at 100 yards to hold um, easily a mill of wind.
0: Okay, yeah. So, how do how does someone learn to to read wind?
1: Um, practice. <laughs> um, actually, uh, is shoot F class?
0: F is that like? Is there classification levels?
1: No, F class is solely a. Uh, you can do it. It's either a belly match or it's a bench match, essentially. But you're shooting at six hundred yards or a thousand yards. So this is now shifting into center fire um and all they do and they have wind flags they have sighting targets and you essentially learn to truly how to read wind okay and that definitely translates over into rimfire
0: where do they hold hold those that's something i have never heard of
1: um i know they have one at strategic edge in chapel hill tennessee which is probably for you so that's about an hour maybe 30 minutes south of nashville
0: that's
1: not bad. No, uh, but F classes are F class matches are all over the place.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I believe they do. So you can also do bench rest, uh, but typically bench rest for rim fire is at fifty and seventy five yards. Okay. So don't okay. quote me on that.
0: No.
1: Um, but honestly, it's just getting out there and doing it. The
0: uh title for this episode is going to be "Don't quote me." Don't
1: quote me on that. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I know that somebody's going to go and sees this podcast and they're going to be like, "No, dumb." <laughs> that's not true that's not true so for all you uh you type snipers out there
0: yeah
1: no 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 i call them typer snipers um that's why i said don't quote me on that
0: i'm sorry everyone who's been on the podcast this is my favorite (laughs) don't quote me on
1: that you gotta have fun doing this
0: this is really fun okay so all right new shooter they uh they sign up on practice score they show up (laughs) what should their expectations be kind of going back to like you're going to time out but what other expectations should they have
1: oh to have fun yeah that's our that should be their only expectations to have fun um i've had a couple of guys that have shot my matches and they're special forces guys and when i tell them like they're like hey man what are you shooting i was like i'm shooting 22 and then they kind of like scoff at me they're like oh it's a 22 how hard can that be (laughs) and and they'll come by and shoot one of my matches, and they're going to be like, I just had a nice slice of humble pie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, yeah, it's not as easy as you think, because they'll think that we're shooting at like 50 yards, big old targets. And I'm like, no, nah, man, there, there's times where we're shooting, shooting sub MOA targets, and uh, it's not as easy as you think.
0: I hate the spinners that the stick and the dot. and Love the
1: spinner. Day spinner's five. my favorite.
0: Same size and look there's no circle the circle is the stick size yeah. <laughs> like a quarter
1: so of an inch taking, con- taking consider of your barrel twist and kind of hold like a uh, half a tenth and then you'll be all right
0: yeah okay people don't know that either barrel twist no. that matters hold the opposite way of the rifling
1: <laughs> well no barrel twist is the same direction
0: well if it's gonna go this to the right you need to hold left
1: Yes, correct.
0: That's what I'm saying. You got a whole opposite yeah. of the rifle. Yeah. Well,
1: if you get a good ballistic solver, it, it takes all that into consideration.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then th- we talked about a little bit, but uh, rules are important. And I think I already know this. Like 90% of people do not rule, read rules. I know pro level people who still don't know the rules. Um, just drives it. me nuts. So let's, let's get the basics out of the way because nobody's going to read the rules. What should they know to do in <laughs> an NRL 22 match?
1: Read the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Biggest thing is safety. Uh, Understand what the safety requirements are of, you know, basic marksmanship, as well as what the requirements are of that specific range, Um, and just making sure you're overall safe. Like for us, when we do a lot of transitions from different props, like tank traps, ladders, chairs, going to prone, uh, the biggest thing is, if you're shooting a bolt action, is that bolt must be up and back to the rear, With you know essentially the chamber cleared, uh, because what that does is prevents a negligent discharge. Um, with the semi auto, what we do, and this is also in center fire, is the shooter must mechanically safe their rifle and audibly yell safe, and then they transition. And then, um, what we do is we make sure we tell them, and sometimes we demonstrate this to new shooters, is don't break the 120 rule. Like for my range, I say 180 to uh, 120 to 180 don't break that if you go past 180 you're you're going to get dq'd yeah. um because that's a safety consideration
0: now um
1: but at the end of the day to,
0: the 180 applies up and down i've seen a lot of new shooters that can't really lift it because it's heavy right and they go up
1: yeah and that's perfectly fine uh it's perfectly fine as long as they're bolted back where their rifle is mechanically safe okay. um then it's perfectly fine going up um but you don't want to go 180 degrees and next thing you know you're flagging a shooter that's shooting a stage, you know, 10 feet next to you. Uh, that's the reason why I typically say 120, 120 degrees, because that ensures that you're not flagging somebody. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, they just need to go out, read the rules and go to a match, go to the match. The the rules, just know what is allowed, what isn't allowed. Um, what's good sportsmanship, things like that. But the biggest thing is, um, safety and you're going to get there with, you're going to get there, uh, with, just going to these matches.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, just like any other community, um, that rural 22 is the same where sharing gear is going to be there, you know, at least local matches, probably major ones too, is that you can probably borrow um, a spare mag or mag pouch if you need one. I don't know. Um, bags for sure. Bags, bags,
1: bags. Oh, absolutely. Um, without a doubt. So we actually have that written in our rules cool. that it is highly encouraged that uh, competitors share their gear. Because at the end of the day, you're, you're not gonna go and buy this widget um, just because you see it on Facebook, but then again, some people might, um, and you not like it. Um, so like anytime somebody comes to my match or somebody goes to another match, we always tell them, hey, you're more than welcome to borrow any of our gear, with okay. the exception of our rifle and our ammo, um, to use. If you want to use my, you know my my Arca plate, if you want to use this bipod, if you want to use this bag. By all means, use it. Um, because at the end of the day, you want to ha- make them feel welcomed. You want them to feel comfortable. You want them to feel comfortable asking questions. And you want them to have the ability to use new equipment that one they didn't know even existed or they thought about purchasing, but they just weren't sure. And now you've solidified that by allowing them to use your gear.
0: Yeah. So, my rule of thumb, um, and my students know this when I teach, it doesn't matter what it is. If somebody offers you to let them, let you try something i don't care if it's pistol i don't care if it's gear your answer is yes it is never no it is never maybe it is yes because you need to put your hand on everything you need to pull every trigger you need to try every piece of gear because you'll be surprised at what you learn the worst thing you can do is have a drawer i'm looking at this uh full of holsters and mac and shit that you don't use
1: (laughs) oh yeah i got i got plenty of those drawers (laughs) you're like why did i ever use that
0: garbage (laughs) such garbage i can't give it away like i have given a lot I,
1: i have i have i have stuff like that too i'm like how is this on the prize table still?
0: That's horrible. Uh, going, uh, going back to questions. Um, you said that perfectly. What questions should people start asking match directors or fellow competitors within reason and not while they're about to shoot? Um, sure. What questions? Uh,
1: so big thing is why did they choose that piece of equipment? Why? Um, you know, why? Why did you decide to choose this piece of equipment over that piece of equipment? Uh, what makes that piece of equipment so great? What makes it not so great? Uh, Why did you build your position that way? Um, How did you engage those targets when, you know, you have two minutes for NRL 22, but we have five targets to shoot and we have to go near to far, far to near? Why did you decide to hold over versus dialing? Uh, Asking those questions on how an individual breaks down a stage is absolutely crucial in a beginner's um, learning on how to actually engage those targets. And that's the reason why in NRL 22... Like at my uh, uh, my club and a lot of these other clubs, if you are a brand new shooter and this is your first match, you are shooting the last on every stage. That's good. So you can see how everybody else is shooting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. I like the why thing. I think a lot of people don't hear this enough, but like if someone says, oh, you have to buy this or you need to buy this, and they don't ask the why question. They go out and buy it. Well, they didn't know why. It's because that person has a bigger hand size than you or it's because you know, their belt holds more weight. It's like, well, it's not going to work for you. So knowing that's important. Yep. Um, okay, let's talk about the stages because that that is that's the fun part. Uh, so there's a unique stage description. So remember going and it's oh you start strong side, then you go weak side, then you have to reload during the course of fire. Um, and then uh, my favorite is when you can't move on to the next target until the one before it's hit, and you can't hit that son of a bitch. So <laughs> <laughs> so you go eight rounds and you know great the next i can probably get is three hits now maybe even just the one hey look uh, i've
1: been there i've been yeah, there. Yeah.
0: so can you talk about some of the stages uh the shooters will see at these matches
1: uh it's endless um so you will always see prone stages you will always see shooting off of barricades you will always see that every month you might see a combination of prone and barricade at the same time um Last year in the, we we did take out uh, offhand shooting, um, but we have implemented it back in this year and we're doing it like once a quarter or something like that. Um, so you will see offhand shooting as well. Uh, typically those targets are rather large in size, um, but you know, for us, we're shooting off of typically cinder blocks, tank traps, rooftops, uh, five, 55 gallon barrels, five gallon uh, buckets, two gallon buckets, a sawhorse, Um, there's a rope in there. There's a chair in there. Um, there's a ladder, which is absolutely my favorite to shoot off of. Um, and I think that's probably about it for the standard prop pack. Um,
0: um, I read that a lot of people that were were, were talking about it. Uh, they don't know that when you go to the NRL 22 match, a couple things or, or website, sorry, you already put the stage descriptions on for the month. So that's what we're talking about here. The courses of fire already laid out. You can check them out. You can read them. And you have the designated exactly what they need to go by. I love the description. You can buy this at Home Depot. This is the code. (laughs)
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so we we make that easier because um, you have a lot of these match directors that are you know hauling their target packs, their props in a car. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing Tyler wanted to make sure was that anybody that has a Prius, essentially, I'm not knocking Priuses. Yes, uh, we are. Yeah, we are. Um, And uh, anybody that's got a Prius is able to, take essentially their match to their club and set it up uh now these these props that I'm talking about that's the standard five stage NRL 22 stages Mm -hmm. you will have props that match directors put on for bonus stages so like for me I always do three bonus stages each month and we're shooting off cattle gates wobble tables um we're shooting off of um uh, spools what else do I got? Um, okay.
0: You want me to share my, the dick move they made for mine? What? <laughs> they did the hole with the target behind the hole. But you had to shoot through the hole. But if you hit the steel on the outside and not the target, then it's a negative point. You can go negatives. But then if you hit the one in the circle, and then you get positive. So I ended up on a zero, flat zero, no bonus points. <laughs> my favorite part is it was orange. And then after people shot through it, it was the same color as the front steel.
1: Yeah. So now steel targets. Oh, don't get me started on that. I got like seven different types of KYLs where I got a holy moly rack where it's a four inch circle, but the circle is completely cut out and you have about this much of a diameter and it gets smaller and smaller and you got to hit the edges. So most people don't aim for center. These targets, you have to aim edges.
0: Edges. Yeah. Donut. Yeah,
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. you're You're shooting the edges of a donut. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, and shout out to my guy, Seth from DNM targets. He's the one who always cuts all my targets.
0: <laughs> Seth, you're
1: evil. You right. it all. <laughs> oh no, I have a holy moly rack. I have an evil, holy moly rack. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Cool.
0: It's cool. Sorry I interrupted. I had to, I had to mention that. Good. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, the different stages, if you want to keep going into what they can Yeah.
1: That. yeah. yeah so yeah. different stages, like I said, you, uh prone and barricades, um, you will see a lot of near to far, far to near. Um, I would say about 90% of the time we have a stage that includes some sort of support side shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always tell them practice your support side because I've seen guys that will get down there and be like, man, this is the first I've ever done. this. This is horrible. I need to practice this more. And at that point you're like, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, but like you mentioned, yeah, so the week prior to each new month, uh, we published the Course of Fire. Everybody can look at it. They can dry fire, <clears throat> excuse me. They can dry fire, practice that thing. Or if they have the ability to do it in their backyard, they can practice the hell out of that thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But at the end
1: of the day, it doesn't count until you go to a match.
0: Yep. Beep.
1: Yep. Huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Yeah. So you've already mentioned the props. That was a big thing. Actually, uh, my buddy has a private range. And afterwards, I spent some time with a sandbag and a barricade and a yeah ironed out chair and all of that good stuff. So these props are stuff that you can, like, again, probably find at a yard sale on the side of the road. <laughs> it yep. looks like a junkyard, you know, and again, Home Depot. So like, this is stuff that you can practice at home.
1: Yeah. I mean, like one, one prop I forgot to mention was a tire. Mm-hmm. And hell, I, I went to a used freaking Bob's freaking tire shop. I was like, Hey man, uh, this is what I'm doing. You got any used tires? He's like, dude, I got a yard full of used tires. Take as many as you want. I'm like, I just need like three, dude. That's all I need.
0: So okay. I, My friend is the manager at a car wash and I was straight up. I came back from a class. It pretty recent. I was like, yo, I need five gallon barrels <laughs> to put in my backyard. She's like, say no more. Cause her husband shoots. We, we both shoot. And I was like, yep. I need dry fire. I need.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: We're not weird people at all. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, the shooting community, we're a special bunch, as a uh, as us Texans would say, "Bless your heart." Um, so, <laughs> oh God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go into the dry fire. Sure. Uh, what does that routine look like? Um, and like you said, all the things that they should practice. Let's go over each one.
1: <laughs> sure. So um, for me, dry fire practice looks a lot like. Um, it does for a regular match. So I, I specifically use the, the DST Precision DFAT Gen 2, uh, which is a pretty awesome tool that you can use. Um, what it is, it's a, it's a lens that goes on the objective lens of your scope, and it allows you to essentially zoom in on targets on a target range card, essentially, um, it, with full magnification, um, we're, yeah, which is crazy. Um, from 12 to 15 feet away so Troy Tyson uh, we send him the um, course of fire prior to it being published and he creates a range card specifically for the monthly course of fire so you can download that tape that bad boy on your garage door or on your wall in your house hook up your DFAT and practice your stages so let's say you're wanting to shoot the tank trap stage or the ladder stage and be like I'm going to try this completely different put your shooting buzzer on or or your shot timer or your your phone, turn it on and try it five different ways and practice that over and over and over again, take some notes. And then if it requires you doing holdovers, practice doing holdovers, practice dialing, practice using a different bag, practice using a bump pillow, whatever you wanna use, that's the time to do it. Um, When I did the NRL 22 survey, uh let me pull that up real quick yes I know you're all about stats
0: awesome get the inside scoop almost (laughs) uh
1: no I've already published all this um so I I asked like hey how often do you dry fire practice um 58% uh, excuse me uh 36% out of uh I think it was like 116 I think or something like that they did it one to two times a week um let's see 4% 4% did it three to four times a week. 1% did it five to six times a week. Uh, 1% did uh, daily, 44% never. And then 14% did it right before an actual match.
0: I'm <laughs> Sorry, I love the procrastinator bunch.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm one of those guys. Um, I, used to, I used to typically do it like once or twice a week. Um, and then here lately, I'll do it, you know, like a couple of days before the match. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll just go to a match and be like, all right, what are we shooting? <laughs> Crap. I probably should have practiced that a little bit.
0: <laughs> that's the thing with these games. Like you can actually um, get prepared in advance. Like a lot of uh, our three game matches, you show up and you show up blind. You have yeah. No, like,
1: no, no idea and that's how, doing. that's how the NRL 22X matches are. Uh, a lot of times the match director doesn't even publish the course of fire till the day of, Okay. Um, or the, they, they might publish it, you know, a couple of days in advance. So like, that's what I did with mine. I published mine a week in advance, but I didn't give out target sizes,
0: <laughs>
1: but I, I mean, I couldn't cause all of mine were, you know, airplanes. They were uh, German little Nazi helmets, uh, bombs, grenades. Mine was a world war II theme. And I know a lot of people were going to, you know, always scold me for this, but I had very, very small targets. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, guys. I still, I'm sorry about that. So.
0: <laughs> uh, I have a dumb question then. Um, can is there a walkthrough day for y'all's matches no no okay that's not the thought
1: well, 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 what, do you, what do you mean walkthrough
0: okay like for for anybody else like usbsa three gun bigger matches you show up and you can actually see the stages and the target sizes and the colors and i mean that you you walk the stages essentially i know most 22 matches you know you don't use 10 days or do you i don't know
1: Uh that's dependent on the range um okay. you, you can have a range that Uh, only has bays and it's one stage per bay um my local range i do everything underneath an awning and i do eight stages underneath there and i mean it's we're talking about maybe 30 yards wide and i can do eight stages without a problem
0: okay so it could someone the day before yeah the day before show up and go walk out look at each of those stages
1: uh could they sure all depends on how the range is set up um it all depends on, are they shooting an X match? Are they shooting a uh, NRL 22 match? Most match directors that I've encountered, they typically set up the morning of or the night before. Okay. Um, because they're, they're using a local range. Um, rarely do I see people doing this at their house where they have it set up the entire time. Uh, NRL 22 X matches, um, there are times where you can go the day before. And it's like a range day and you can engage targets um, out to distance, but you can't shoot off of props. You can't shoot the targets that are out there. Um, so they get to see it, but they don't necessarily get to use it and engage those targets.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's something Uh yeah. um,
1: yeah, every, every match you go to is unique in and of itself.
0: That's kind of cool though. Yeah. So if you could tell yourself, yourself, this is you talking to you, <laughs> something yeah. early on, uh, to cut down the learning curve for you as a shooter, uh, what would it have been?
1: Uh, for me, it would have been learn how to build a solid position uh, quickly, master the fundamentals, and then buy good equipment from the beginning and learn to read wind.
0: <laughs> Those aren't the small tasks at all.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, we're talking about thousands of dollars right there. Or I mean, it can be. Um, I mean, the the more the more you evolve in this sport the more creative you'll get, the more you'll get to experience different pieces of equipment. You're like, oh, I got to have that. And then, you know, this company comes out with this new widget and you're like, I got to buy that. Even though you don't need it, (laughs) uh, you still end up buying it. And I've done that quite a few times. I
0: love it. I love it. (laughs) Um, Goodness. So if someone actually, Let's start with, to the the difference between, can you explain the difference between NRL 22 and the PRS, like the biggest differences, and why the 22 world is a good place to start for someone that wants to go up into those bigger competitions, bigger caliber, I'll say. Um,
1: so I wouldn't say it's, ne- it's not necessarily a foundation, because uh, I've seen quite a few centerfire people from PRS and NRL mm-hmm. come into NRL 22 and just get hammered. Mm-hmm um because it's a completely different world even though you're using the exact same equipment you're just using a smaller bullet and smaller targets <laughs> um but ultimately yes it is a great great foundation and a great stepping stone to get into center fire. um because in uh 22 it teaches you how to um when I won't say it teaches you, but you greatly see the effects of what wind has on a bullet as close as 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, whereas in center fire, if I'm shooting 500 yards, I might have to hold a 10th or two at most. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times when, you know, if, if wind is just, you know, 15, 20 mile an hour wind, you might have to hold a mil, right? Yeah. But in 22s, if you shooting, if you're getting 10 mile an hour winds at 100 yards, you're holding off plate, guaranteed. You're screwed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's you're, a hurricane no
1: you're, you're not gonna have I mean, unless you're in Utah where that's normal for them. Right. Uh if you're here in the Midwest or in the South where it's not normal, you're probably gonna not have a very, very enjoyable day.
0: No. Utah, that's why Utah read them, you know? Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I was saying earlier, the uh it's a great stepping stone, great foundation. Uh transitioning into centerfire because you use all the exact same gear um a lot of the real real competitive shooters uh like my buddy levi wilson uh he actually is a phenomenal uh, rimfire shooter and never shot a day in his life in centerfire and goes and signs up for the gap grind you familiar with that match
0: yep actually so that's the one that my friend that had the tika she started at. um it's actually in two weeks or whatever and i think Go watch and do the applied ballistics lab to my rifles.
1: Yep. Which is great, by the way. Um but so all he ever really shot was, you know, a little bit of center fire here and there, nothing competitive, but he mainly competed in NRL 22 and won the act the amateur version.
0: Okay, for people watching, that's not fair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Levi, Levi Wilson, you know, he he's a he's a naturally talented shooter.
0: That is so cool though, like zero expectations, probably-ish. Have fun. Win the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean he's the most humble guy, one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet. And his goal is like, yeah, man, I'm I'm go- I'm trying to go win the match, but you know, somebody else wins it, they win it. But his goal is always to go there and win.
0: Well, and he's got the skill level. <laughs> so the other he thing, does. setting your expectations um, in any sport, right? So it's so easy to get into these worlds, and there's so much to to learn, like you were mentioning. And people are like, okay, I gotta be good. I have to be good. I'm good with a pistol. Then I have to be good here. I'm good with a. a different rifle. Right. And they compare themselves to other people. Like I'm comparing myself to Dominic. Well, I didn't put in the time, the effort, the work, the 7,000 different guns. Right. So it's easy to get discouraged. I think too in long range.
1: Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, I've gotten discouraged numerous times when I'm competing, you know, when I'm competing in a pro level match and I'm like, man, I shot like crap today. And then I really got to sit back and be like, okay, how much prep work did you put into this? How many matches have you shot? compared to these pros who do this over and over and over not just local matches but they're traveling the country shooting two day matches and they're really freaking good
0: yeah yeah so setting your expectations of what level like he he can expect to win right so he's in contention for that
1: oh yeah because, no <laughs> sometimes maybe <laughs> <laughs> on the rim fire side yeah center yeah. fire no <laughs> yeah are you going to gap grind this year? I'm not.
0: Dang it. Okay. I tried to get Matt Horn or Tellen Horn back to go too. I was like, come on, dude, you need to go to Tennessee. He's never been to Tennessee.
1: Yep. Yeah. Matt's probably got some field exercise he has to go to. <laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. So when you practice live fire, this is something, um, us rifle people do or pistol people do. Do you practice with paper or do you still practice with steel targets?
1: Um, so I first get a good zero at 50 yards, and then I also get a good group at hundred yards, mm-hmm. but I typically, I'll just practice with steel. Okay. Um, what I'll do is if I'm practicing the actual course of fire, which I rarely, rarely do, because when I, I don't have time, mm-hmm. uh, but when I do have the ability, I'll actually put smaller targets out. So that's- if at hundred yards, it's saying three inches, I might do two inches. Yep. So that I really focus on those fundamentals.
0: That's badass. That's exactly, that's perfect. Look at those little nuggets. Um, <laughs> have you taken any classes for people?
1: Um, I have. Uh, so my buddy Clark, I, I took his class and I'm always learning. Uh, like every once in a while, I'll phone uh, Chase Stroud from DI Precision um, and pick his brain. But no, I've never been to actual formal, formal classes. Okay. Probably should go. So Shout out to anybody that wants to hook me up. I'm going to go. Uh, well, <laughs> it's just they they can they can be so expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think just learning to read wind, I think, would be a thing. Or like I take the Kestrel classes. That's one thing that you do for free online. Yep, yep. Um, so there's stuff out there, and I'm sure YouTube is. God, YouTube is plentiful, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Learning from the right. Yeah, but
1: is the, the issue with YouTube is, is that a credible source? Yeah. Yes. Is that individual credible person to? Get this information from. So, I think when it comes to read and wind, anybody that shoots an ELR, um, those are the guys you probably want to talk to because I mean they're engaging targets, you know, a mile and out. <laughs> so I I, I, w- I would venture to guess that they're probably not bad at read and wind.
0: Yeah, for fun. Good lord. Um, the other thing that I like about Internal Twenty Two and stuff, uh, well specifically Internal Twenty Two, is that you can see how you shoot. With shooters across the country and the world maybe or just national
1: uh no across the world i believe uh because we have an international um club as well
0: okay yeah so uh in usbsa i don't know if you've heard of go fast don't suck (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) so he's got the new postal match The postal match is brilliant. So he sends all of the stages to all the match directors for USBSA. I'm trying to get Steve Marmaduke to convince our, our match director to do it. But then you all shoot it as a club with same target, same everything. And you see how you do with everybody across the world without having to travel. Hey.
1: Yeah, so, and that's exactly how these NRL 22 is, is that the course of fire is a national course of fire. Everybody shoots the exact same course of fire that entire month. And then when the NRL posts, uh, in our advisors page for the match director's review, we get to see how every single person in the country scored. Yeah, that's neat. But Now, at the end of the day, you know, that really doesn't matter because yeah. you could be in Utah where winds are 10, 50 miles an hour and the max score is 500 and you're shooting a 350. Yeah. But I shoot out here in Tennessee where there's like one to two mile an hour winds and I'm shooting a 450. Yeah. Am I a better shooter? No, probably yeah. not because those guys are really learning how to read wind. Um, and there's no wind here. So comparing others from different clubs uh, that are not even geographically located where you are uh, really doesn't benefit anybody. Uh, so what you're doing is you're either competing against yourself or you're competing everybody at your club.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Hey, that's a good tidbit when I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, What's been your favorite match that you've ever
1: shot? Um, so can't really narrow it down to one, but if I had to pick so far, besides the uh, th- this past year's national championship out in Yohaka, uh Nebraska, um, it would probably be our buddy Mike Milliken's NRL 22X match out in Eagle Eye uh, this past February. So everybody in the around the country got hit with that big old freak snowstorm. Um, well, He decided to continue on with his match and have it anyways. Uh, So it was a field match. There were no squads. Um, There were no stage descriptions. Um, There was no round count. You showed up. You had, I think it was three minutes. You had to find 10 targets, range 10 targets, and engage 10 targets. And... All right <laughs> yeah that that sucked <laughs> super fun though it was it was it probably my funnest match i've shot
0: so i was shooting in that same weather so i moved from florida in december to tennessee so february and i went to kentucky it was the ice storm from hell
1: you're like this sucks is this normal
0: <laughs> so i was using gloves well my dumb ass got the ones with the tips to to text right okay that's not the right thing so for shotgun loading that tip would go into the actual shotgun porting. <laughs> oh God. It was a, it was a cluster and like keeping your body temperature and your energy up in cold is harder than in heat.
1: Yeah. So the good thing is uh, I have a lot of good, good cold weather gear um, and a lot of hunters, they know how to dress in cold weather. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, we typically end up being in deer stands and whatnot. So we know how to stay warm for the most part. But I've had a sh- I had to shed layers at his match because I wore like this mi- the Army Michelin man suit, and I was like I am not going to be an ounce of cold. Yeah. Um. So I ended up having to shed some gear, and uh, yeah, it was good. It was a great match.
0: So that's a little bit different though. Like I can't, you can't shoot as a fluke ball <laughs> with a shotgun because there's no movement in the arms. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: No. Well, I mean, you. It's the same with us because uh, I mean, you got to manipulate the rifle, manipulate your turrets. Uh, your your you know your magnifier and whatnot yeah. um and then depending on the stage uh you might start overheating or if you end up taking your jacket off and it's like 25 degrees you might start shivering really quick and that's really going to screw you up
0: oh, good we had we had a uh, rifle's bone bump fire because of all padding
1: <laughs> wow
0: <laughs> triggers triggers are light um okay so talk about you now too um So, what gun and scope, I know you mentioned, I think at the beginning, like, did you start out with?
1: So, I started off with a custom built 1022 and a Vortex Razor Gen 1, uh, which I still have and I still use it. Love that thing. Um, We've made a lot of tweaks to it. um, By we, I mean Clark. Um, And that is probably the coolest uh, 1022 I will ever own. And my buddies keep calling it my Gucci Ruger um, just because it's fancy, I guess, it's bougie. Um, But I've upgraded. It's definitely not your cookie cutter 1022. That's for sure. Um, That's what I started off with. Uh, Like I said earlier, I upgraded from that to a CZ 457 uh, because I had a a 60 degree throw, and that's what my center fire is. And then Voodoo came out with a 60 degree throw, so I bought that one.
0: Yeah, and then you got your collis glass.
1: Uh, No, I actually put my collis glass on my 1022 um after i first got it because i wanted you know i was used to that for my centerfire
0: yeah yeah and
1: once I, and then i moved that to my cz 457 and then eventually to now my voodoo
0: yeah which is cool i mean that, that definitely is a progression of price i think a little bit um so like how important is it for people to run what they got or get started with something and just see if they like it before they go out and go nuts unless they're you know millionaires
1: Uh, yeah i mean so i highly ill advise. Having somebody who's just getting into this, not sure if they want to do this, to go buy out, buy a voodoo and a three and a half thousand dollar optic. I highly do not recommend doing that unless you got more money than you do sense. Um, I recommend you know asking a bunch of people, go to a match that has loaner rifles, um, let them you know let somebody borrow their rifle. There, I've known quite a few people they are like, Hey man, come shoot my rifle. Here's some ammo, just pay me for the ammo, come shoot it. And do that, like I said earlier, a CZ 457, I think the cheapest one you can get is like 450 bucks. Um, you can get a uh, RPR for like $300. You can get yourself a 10, I've seen people take 1022 22 takedowns uh, and shoot with them, you know, little hundred, two hundred, $200 rifle awesome. and have a freaking, bl- freaking blast with it. Um, and it's just a natural progression. Um, my buddy Tony Ely uh, I think he started off with a uh, 1022 and then he upgraded to some sort of bolt action I believe it was and now he shoots a Bagara b14r an mpa chassis bought himself a night force uh, attacker scope and yeah I mean he, he he full-on jumped both feet in and he keeps cursing at me he's like thanks man thanks for thanks for getting me addicted to another sport because He's a big, big time USPSA shooter.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I highly recommend people bringing one person into whatever sport. So if you have to continue the financial strain
1: through. Absolutely. The- you gotta you gotta you gotta share that struggle. <laughs>
0: Love it. Um, okay, for you, you shared that the the offhand's kind of your your like weakness. Um, what's like no, your no,
1: favorite? Off- no, offhand's not my weakness. Oh, what is? Uh oh, offhand. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, offhand is my weakness.
0: Okay. And then the, the favorite, what's your favorite stages to shoot or the ones that you can shoot lights out?
1: Uh, prone six inch (laughs) target at 25 yards. I can can shoot that all day. I'm just kidding. Um, I'd say my favorite position is probably anything support side. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm just able to get a better position support side. Um, I like, uh, near to far, far to near stages, um, and anything off of a prop. Okay. And the ladder's your favorite, except the tank trap. I freaking hate the tank trap. I
0: can't say the word. I want to see, but I f and hate those. Um, they they show up in three gun. They show up in two gun. They've showed up in everything, and I cannot can't figure them out.
1: Yeah. no it it making sure you're one thing that you have to make sure though with these rifles is that they're balanced perfectly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Tank traps. Okay. Good. So there's some. <laughs> <out> there. <laughs> um. Okay. So for you too, like how has this NRL 22 like changed your life? And unlike anything you've ever shot before, like, why is this your thing?
1: Um, I think it's just mainly because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the camaraderie that you have with a lot of these individuals, you can get people from all different walks of life. Yeah. Um, I got buddies that are pharmacists. I got buddies that are mechanics and in any other, you know, social group, a lot of times these individuals probably would never meet yeah um but in this sport it doesn't matter if you're a welder if you're a cardiothoracic surgeon um you're gonna meet you all have the same say yeah. what
0: you make that word up
1: cardiothoracic surgeon no not real. <laughs> that, that, that's a real thing yeah that's a heart doctor inside the chest
0: Well, that's a cardiovascular
1: <laughs> oh, No, no. That, so that's a cardiothoracic surgeon that's the guy that opens somebody up works on their heart anyways um So you have anybody from different walks of life that is coming together and pretty much enjoying the suck together or, um, building friendships in this shooting sport.
0: Yeah. What's the, for you, what's the youngest shooter you've, you've seen or met or heard about? And what's the oldest?
1: Uh, youngest, I think was probably eight. Uh, if no, so younger than that, It's either seven or eight um uh, and that was at nationals uh i think his name was colby het or hewitt something like that um he actually shot at nationals that's cool and uh it was it was freaking awesome uh to see this kid shoot Wow. uh oldest i want to say i want i want to say it's like 70 years old awesome, awesome. Yep. now with that we have also and i'm sure you read that in the rules is we have uh old gun slash adaptive class and, and air- then
0: right air guns is a thing
1: Air guns is a thing, yes, Uh, but we have the old guns division because, or the adaptive uh, for people that don't meet the old guns age requirement is because we have, you know, older gentlemen, older women that just can't get up and down like some of us younger folks can. So what we do now here, the last several months, we've done this is we put recommendations in for match directors, you know, instead of them going up and down on the ladder, you know, from the first, second, third, fourth, fifth rung, <coughs> excuse me, Um, we'll typically tell them, be like, hey, you're going to engage the target the same way, but you're only going to shoot from the fifth rung and the fourth rung, and you're alternating between that. Yeah. Or instead of prone, you're going to shoot off of a bench. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we'll do that a lot of time with young guns as well, that just <coughs> got tickling my throat. Guns um, excuse me. Um, with young guns, where we'll have them start in position or we'll kind of modified a little bit so it's just more enjoyable for them
0: yeah it's not fun if, if you don't make it fun for sure i like that like there's coaching too
1: i don't know at the oh, national
0: yeah. level but there is yeah locally all the time
1: <laughs> yeah at the local level without a doubt i mean that's the time for you to learn i mean like we'll, we'll give wind calls now like our season shooters or if they're missing 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 you're then... just ragging on them <laughs> oh, oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> We definitely do, especially if my buddy, Bill Mickey, every time we, every time we miss a shot, he'll be like, Nope. <laughs> and, and he'll make that abundantly clear that you missed it. Um, but if, if you're constantly missing, we'll give you a win call and be like, Hey man, you know, you're like a 10th or two off left edge or hold more wind check dope, uh, things like that.
0: Awesome. But for
1: brand new shooters, no, we're constantly giving them win corrections.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yep. Kevin's suffrage is like that.
1: Oh
0: like, yeah, his if he misses one round for the whole entire match, <laughs> that's fun. Oh. No. Fun. Um, so, do you have any recommendations? Kind of wrapping this up on books, classes, videos, or maybe even people that um, they should follow online um, to to learn about NRL Twenty Two.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, definitely look at our NRL Twenty Two members page. Um, We have a lot of cool information that gets put on there. Uh, Michael Shea here recently wrote an awesome book uh, called Rimfire Revolution, A Complete Guide to Modern 22 Rifles. Uh, Phenomenal book. Um, And he actually ended up getting the shooter profiles information of every single NRL 22 shooter out there uh, and about what gear they were using, what optics they were using, rifles, barrels, glass, spotting scopes, um he did a phenomenal job on um, how far we've come from our JC Penny 1022s from 1970, whatever, all the way to voodoos and onshoots. Um, when it comes to videos, there's a crap load of YouTube videos out there uh, where people will record themselves doing the NRL 22 stages. Uh, I know Jonathan Zelinsky, he's a sponsored voodoo shooter. He does that quite a bit, where he'll, do a, ma- a pretty much a stage breakdown. Uh, and what's cool about it is he'll record himself shooting. And then he has what's called a trigger cam where it mounts on the actual scope. So you can see exactly what he's aiming at. And sometimes if it's just right, you can actually see the flight of the bullet impacting the target. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, at the end of the day though, uh, the best way for an individual to learn is go to a match. I get that asked a lot. Should I go to a match and just watch or should I just compete? Nope, just straight up compete. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to know um, what the individual did or why they did that until you do it and be like, hey man, why did you do it that way? And then when you shoot it, you're like, oh, oh, I know why you did it that way. It, ma- it just makes more sense at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the biggest thing is for a shooter, at the end of the day, they just need to go out there and shoot.
0: Absolutely,
1: and I, don't be intimidated.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially when you have the big the Utah shooters.
1: <laughs> yeah, those guys.
0: <laughs> the other thing I like about uh, I forgot about this part is like the the custom rifle builds too are very friendly to left-handed shooters.
1: Yeah, uh, without a doubt, I know uh, there's a lot of companies out there. I know bagara they just came out with the uh, their left-handed shooter, uh, their left-handed rifles, um, Voodoo for sure. Um, 1022 is obviously the, those are ambidextrous, really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's quite a few Remington 700 platforms or like that are for that are left handed friendly,
0: yeah, which is really cool. Huh. Is. Sorry, or,
1: like, just, or just be a right handed shooter.
0: I know I have so many, so many lefty friends that well, they get screwed at USBSA matches when there's you like mean,
1: you mean wrong handed shooters,
0: wrong handed, but so it's sad. No, but. I'm like all about equality fairness but like like a wall right and you have a huge lean out to the right and the target's here how's the lefty yep. gonna do that
1: Hey you better pie better
0: <laughs> That would suck if I was lefty I'd make make some more uh, uh
1: practice more shoot more
0: Yeah yeah Uh any final shot or any final thoughts that you want to leave listeners with
1: Um so biggest things for just simply have fun um uh, don't try the game to stages. Um, people will always game stages, but don't try the game them. Uh, just shoot the stage, learn from it, and improve each time you go to compete. Every time you go to a range and, or every time you go to a match, learn from it. Um, put that in your mental toolbox and pull it out whenever you need it.
0: Well said. Well said. So how can people find you on social media, Instagram, Facebook? Is there a website? How can they... Um,
1: me specifically, uh, you can find me at NRL 22 Fort Campbell. I'm on uh, Facebook and practice score. Um, that's how you find me. I'm on a lot of the NRL 22, um, Facebook forums out there. So all the major ones that I mentioned earlier, the NRL 22 members, um, the competitive ones, the match one, I'm all, I'm on every single one of those. (laughs) Okay.
0: And the coordinator position, do you have an email?
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's actually Dominic Thompson, one at Yahoo. Uh, I don't have an official NRL 22 email.
0: (laughs) That's a horrible, horrible. Yeah. So reach out.
1: Hint, hint, Brittany.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This has been a great show. Oh my goodness. Thank you.
1: Um, but any shout out to the sponsors, uh, I'm not sponsored by anyone other than myself and my wife, uh, but definitely want to do a, a big shout out to the NRL 22 executive team, uh, the support staff. Uh, Without them, we would not be able to do what we're doing every month and have everybody enjoy this. Um, And then definitely to the two guys that have taught me and gotten me into this addictive sport is, uh, and how to become a match director is uh, Travis Wall and Clark Curnett.
0: That's awesome. Actually, um, good point. And I didn't bring this up. And I think it should be addressed. Uh, How can people get involved at their local level, national level? God, I can't talk. Um, How can they, you know, more support the sport and and do that?
1: So to more support is essentially to go shoot matches, Uh, go support your match directors, Uh, help them with setup, help them with teardowns. If you don't, and I get this question a lot is like, I wish we had a club where I lived. Simple answer go engage your local club owner and see if they'll will be willing to start an NRL 22 club as you as the match director. They sometimes have funds where they say, hey, I can allocate $700 a year for you. Uh, and that'll guarantee, that'll at least get you the target pack and the props. Okay. And then you can run your matches. Um, for me, I was not that fortunate. Everything for me has been out of pocket.
0: Yeah, but you love it.
1: Oh, it's a labor of love.
0: Yeah, it is. Now, the other thing, too, is roing. ing um, Can we explain to all of the people that hate the tablet how stupid easy it is to score an NRL 22 competition? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so actually, I do want to bring that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Is yeah. uh, So our buddy, Levi Sanderson, he's on the NRL 22 support staff. And every single month, um, when we look at a course of fire, and I mean, when someone submits a course of fire... I look at it, I work with that individual closely and saying, hey, look, this stage is too gimmicky or this doesn't meet the rules or hey, I recommend this and recommend that. And then once we finally get that product, the advisor team, uh, which is the executive staff and the support staff, we all comb through it and we're like, hey, we need to reword this one or we need to do this and this and this, and then we refine it. But what Levi does is he will actually take that course of fire, build a downloadable practice score template And essentially all you do is just download the course of fire, hit the link on the first page and you download that. You make sure you got to clone it on your tablet and then rename it. And all the stages are there for you. So we've pretty much, we've handed everything to a match director where the only thing that they have to do is show up, put targets out, download everything and run the match.
0: Yeah. It's really simple. I don't know any other organization that does all that like that perfectly i guess i don't know
1: no no we are, we are the only organization that pretty much hands everything to you yeah. um where you can run a very successful match
0: yeah with minimal props minimal entry minimal barriers yeah. i mean there's a lot that yeah minimal space on range i mean we're talking about 100 yards which is really not bad for most ranges to have that thousands more difficult that's why
1: yeah i mean so now you can do so we have uh two options now you can do option 1 and option 2 where option 2 cuz um Tyler's pretty good about asking all the match directors, be like, hey, what do you guys want to see different and whatnot? And we listen to our match directors because at the end of the day, they are our customers. They are our end users to include the shooters. And they just wanted to have the ability to go longer distances. So now with option two, a match director can say, hey, for the second stage, we're going to do option two and we're shooting it this way. And so with option two, um, we can have shorter part-times, we can have mag changes, um, and they are within 200 yards. Uh, Typically, the way we do that, though, is we'll have like a one and a half or a two multiplier when it comes to MOA targets. Uh, But then again, also depends on the prop and what we're doing at that stage that will determine the target size. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. And
1: and, and, uh, it's been very, very... Receptive and people really like it. I love it. I
0: love it. So what's next for Dominic and what's next for NRL 22
1: Um, so what's next for me is I'm going to go to bed Uh, retire (laughs) because I got to get five to go to work. Um, now what's next for me is just, uh, practicing more shooting more matches I think the next big match that I'll be shooting is the uh, Catalina wine mixer out in uh, Missouri uh, and then probably shoot the one out in uh, Somerset, Kentucky by, with Ben Blevins, his match. Uh, but ultimately, I'll be going to Nationals uh, at the end of the year or end of the season, I should say, uh, which is also in Missouri this year, um, which is Memorial Weekend. Uh, NRL 22, uh, we're always trying to make our industry better than what it was the day before. I love it. I love it.
0: Dominic thank you thanks for being receptive to a stranger reaching out to you on social media talk about guns I love it
1: Nothing new. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome um so yeah find Dominic on social media um go shoot NRL 22 and have fun so
1: absolutely absolutely
0: thanks again uh for all you listeners and let me know and let Dominic know if you go out there and shoot a match now we want to know
1: <laughs> absolutely thanks for listening to the Radical up
0: podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube Follow along on social media at RadicalUp or 3 Yen Kenzie.